Jesus, you're all we need. You're all we need. Because we are not enough, but with you, you complete us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do for us, all that you make us into. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can be seated. So this past March, I had an eye exam. And when I went this time, it wasn't the best news I've ever had at an eye exam. You see, when, when she finished the exam, she asked me if I would like her to write me a prescription for progressive lenses. Progressive lenses. I'm not that old. I mean, that's for old people, you know, people in their 50s and their 60s, not someone like me who's, you know, effervescent, energetic, only in their 40s, okay? Maybe late 40s, but still in my 40s. Well, long story short, I'm now wearing a pair of progressive lenses. You see, most of the time, we don't like exams. We don't like tests. But I think that we, we should like tests. Because what they do, what tests, what exams do, they reveal the truth about things. What we know, what we don't know. Where we stand, where, where we have issues, like eyesight. See, they tell us the state of things. What if, what if there was a test that would do that for us spiritually? One that would let us know where we stood, whether we were really spiritual or not. Would you want to take that test? Seriously, would you really want to take a test that might show just how much you're really lacking when it comes to spirituality? Because after all, that test would be revealing, and maybe not in a good way. See, that's what we're going to explore today as we start week two of the journey through the book of James. And James gives us that test. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, he says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. That's the test for how you're really doing spiritually. Are you quick to listen? Slow to speak and slow to become angry. If so, well, good, great for you. But if not, if you join 
the rest of us, then you're not engaged in what it takes to live a life righteously. Now, you may be thinking, now hold on a minute. Listening, speaking, getting angry, you're making an awful big deal out of that, aren't you? No, I'm not. James is. See, I don't like it any more than you do. Because my natural tendency, if left to myself, I'm slow to listen, quick to open up my big mouth, and often much too quick to get mad. See, and the one I'm most defensive about is getting mad. Do you find that to be true in your life too? See, most of us are okay with saying, you know what, we probably should listen more. And most of us are okay with, you know what, maybe we should talk just a little bit less. But anger? That's where we get defensive. And it's ironic that we're getting defensive about getting mad. See, because at the heart of it, we think that our anger is justified. So we don't tend to critique it in our lives. We, in fact, defend it in our lives. If we're angry, it's always the fault of what we're angry about or who we're angry about. You're the one that's making me furious. You're the one that makes me mad. It's you made me act this way. And if it's not a person, then it's an it. The traffic, the line at the grocery store being put on hold, the car breaking down, the bill that came in the mail, we believe that however we act in response is justified. But the more I've wrestled with what James is saying here, the more I see the deep wisdom in what he's saying. That it is a fair test. Think about it. Don't these three things get us into the most trouble in our lives and take us the furthest away from God? You see, if, if I'm slow to listen, then I don't, I'm not really caring about people. I'm self-centered, self-absorbed. I'm not caring about others, even the disadvantaged. It also means that I'm not teachable. Because if I don't listen, I don't learn, I'm never corrected, and I feel like I'm always right. Which means, then, I talk a lot. And quickly. My voice, my words, are all just, are all that matter to me. Which is just, in reality, pride and arrogance coming out. And that makes me quick to become angry. Because I'm not trying to understand anyone else's point of view, their situation, their position, or their concerns. It's, it's all about me. Which means I get angry over anything and everything that doesn't go the way that I think it should go. I'm indifferent to people. Pride and anger lead to a life 
in a ditch. Our relationships suffer. Our ability to succeed suffers. Everything suffers. Any of you actually want that life? I hope not. But let's say that we fail this test, because a lot of us may have failed this test. Let's say we fail this test. How do we take advantage of the test results? Because that's what we should do. If we get bad test results, we should somehow modify it. When I took that eye exam and I, I couldn't read the lines, the result was different prescription. If I just said, nope, not getting them, I still wouldn't be able to see, but I might feel better about myself not having to have progressive lenses. But if we get a bad test result, we should modify based upon those results. So what does James tell us to do? Picking up in verse 21, he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now you might be thinking, wait, where did that just come from? I mean, we we're talking about listening and speaking and emotions, and now he's jumping into moral filth and evil? That's, that's a pretty big leap there, James. But James wants us to see how what goes on on the inside impacts what goes on on the outside. That, that what were the inside and the outside, we like to treat them separately. The inside is our private world, our internal world, what we hear, what we know, how we think, how we feel. But, but the outside, that's what we do. How we act, how we behave. And we tend to keep these separate. But they're, they're not separate. We tend to keep separate knowing from doing, believing from behaving, and thoughts from actions. But James says that's the problem. That's why we failed the test. Because they're not separate. They are one and the same. And that's what his test is all about how we listen how we speak how we control our emotions our external acts things we do or do not do so they're on the outside and how we get more authentic in our spiritual life how can we do better on this test well, james tells us address our inner world have what's on the inside match up and, and influence what we do on the outside. So how do you do that? He says, get rid of moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and accepting the word planted in us. So addressing our inner world, which impacts our external world, means doing some house cleaning. If you're like me, you don't like house cleaning, but it needs to be done. See, there's some things on the inside 
that we need to get rid of. And there's some things that aren't on the inside that we need to put there. Because the spiritual dynamic is very basic. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Now, follow James here. If you're struggling with listening too little, with speaking too much and losing control of your anger too easily, then it's because you have given moral filth and evil too much of a foothold in your life. And the word of God, too little of a foothold. Let's talk about those both for a minute. First, about moral filth and evil. Notice James's language. He's very specific. He talks about the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, which means it's lying around. It's, it's accessible. It's there at hand, the stuff that surrounds us in this world, the stuff that's floating around the cultural airwaves, the junk we're constantly exposed to. It's easy to let into our lives, to give in to it. And if you let it in, if any of that stuff has a direct pipeline into your inner world, then there's no way you can have the spiritual life that God wants you to have. The inner world will, will, be, will become polluted, which means that your outer world of actions will become warped. Not just with listening, speaking, or emotions. It'll get warped in all kinds of ways. So the question is, what are you allowing into your life that you shouldn't be? Some stuff is easy to pinpoint. Perhaps it's pornography. Some stuff, you're clicking your way right into a ditch. You've let your internal world, what's inside of you, become filthy. You're not proud of it. But at the same time, you haven't fought it. You haven't prevented it. You haven't taken a stand against it, at least not the way that you should. And besides, it's just so, wait, what word did James say? It's just so prevalent. But that's just one thing. Think about the way we interact with other people. It seems like civility in our culture has been tossed aside. Get on Facebook, get on Twitter, get on whatever social media ad program you want to get onto, and it seems like there's no civility left. Mask, not mask, vax, anti-vax. When has all of this become political? Why has it become political? We take offense at everything. We slander and gossip and tear people down. We assume the worst of people instead of believing the best about them. It's one strike and you're out. Any of that spirit crept into your inner world? James says... Get rid of it. 
And when he says, get rid of it, the, the phrase there in the original Greek he used was one for taking off dirty or filthy rags. It reminds me, a number of years ago, Amy ran one of those mud runs. Have you ever seen those things? And, and you run this thing, and, and she got home, and I looked at her clothes, and I was like, there's no saving those clothes. They're dirty, they're filthy rags. At that point, the only thing you can do is just toss them right into the trash can. You can run them through the washing machine as many times as you want. That mud is so soaked in, it's not coming out. That's what James is talking about. The needing to strip off everything that's soiled and stained and just throwing it away. But that's not all. Then there's something that we need to add back in. Looking back at verse 21, James said, Get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You have to fill yourself with the good stuff. Fill yourself with what's holy and pure, what's virtuous and true. And the heart of that is found in the Word of God. Because while it's garbage in, garbage out, it's also Word of God in and true spirituality out. So how do you do that? Well, James tells us, he says, by humbly accepting it. Not just reading it, but accepting it. Which means you submit to it. You follow it. You agree to it. You, you do what it says. You don't question its authority or challenge its preeminence. You submit to it. You but let's be honest, we don't really like those words, do we? You know, words like submit, authority, humbling ourselves, goes against our grain as, as Americans, as, as humans. It does for me, too. It's, it's one thing to be independent, strong-willed, a leader, a self-made person, being confident in the marketplace. It's one thing to do that in the, in the marketplace. But doing that with God? What are we thinking? When it comes to God's word, we have to humble ourselves. And this is an, such an important dynamic that James wants to, to drive it home, and he does so beginning in verse 22, where he says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who, int who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. Now, I'll be honest, the first couple times I've read that passage, it didn't really mean a whole lot for me. And the reason was, was the whole mirror language. 
Because I'm thinking of a mirror like we have today. See, a modern mirror, you look at it and you get a crystal clear picture of what you're looking at. But that's not the way mirrors were in James's day. They weren't crystal clear. They weren't even made of reflective glass. Oftentimes, it was just polished brass or copper. Think about that for a moment. If, if you had polished brass or copper and you're looking at it, one, the reflection isn't very good, which means you would have to stare at it intently for a long period of time in order to make out that reflection. Now, with that in mind, if you, if you look back at what James just said, I can almost hear a tinge of sarcasm in what James is telling us. Saying, anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Anyone who listens to the word of God, who knows it, who learns about it, and doesn't live by it, who doesn't submit to it, who doesn't follow it, is like someone spending all of their time in front of a mirror to get all the reflection that they can in their mind about what needs fixing, what needs addressing, what needs repairing, and then walks away and immediately forgets everything they just saw immediately gets distracted from taking care of what they saw in other words they spent all that time for nothing it was wasted time why did you spend all that time trying to see all of those things and then walk away and not do anything about it. And it's not very smart to do the same with the Word of God, which is the ultimate mirror for our lives. You see, if there is a separation in our life between belief and behavior, then we're just spending time with the mirror but walking away and doing nothing. Look at what James says that we should actually do. Beginning in verse 25, he says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted. You see the key? He's looking, looking intently into what God says to us is his word looking for what it tells us about how we're living, what we need to do, where we need to follow or just flat out obey. You get that 
on the inside. And what goes on out here will take care of itself. Because you won't just be filling your head with knowledge. Filling your, you'll be filling your heart and, and then with truth and then letting that instruct you in how you should live. You'll respond with resolve to become a doer of the word. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, but does this really help out with real world things like anger? The answer is yes, if you'll let it. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're standing in the 10 item checkout line or less express lane at the grocery store. The woman in front of you is taking forever and you're in a hurry. She has at least 20 items in that cart, well over the 10 maximum. She's chatting up with the, with the clerk and her kids are running around wild and she's ignoring the kids. She picks up a magazine and starts to browse through it. One of her items doesn't even have a barcode on it. But then they gotta send somebody to go find another barcode. And then worst of all, she decides to pay with a check. Here's how I react. I start off with just a simple glare to make sure everyone knows how I'm feeling. And if that doesn't register, well then I'll let out a <sighs> long sigh. I'll cross my arms. Then I'll look at my watch about five times. I'll let out another long sigh. And then I'll ask loudly and sharply, excuse me, isn't this the express checkout lane for 10 items or less? I, I just want to make sure I'm in the right lane. You roll your eyes. You glare around some more. You look for the other lines to see if any of them are shorter that you can try and now jump into. In other words, you're starting to act like a two-year-old. But what made me act like a two-year-old? I'm blaming it on the lady, but it's actually not her. It's not the situation. See, it's, it's what I'm telling myself about this situation, some of which I'm probably not even aware of. And it's fueled by either the moral filth or evil or the lack of God's word instructing me. Let's go back to the checkout line for a second and, and let's look at what we're telling ourselves. First, we're telling ourselves that things have to go our way for us to be happy which meant that the line needed to speed up or we'd be unhappy. Next, we're telling ourselves, consciously or not, that people should be perfect. The woman in front of us should have had 10 and only 10 items in that cart. She should have had perfectly behaved children. She should have known exactly what it was she needed before she got in the line, and she should have paid with a debit card. 
She should have finished in three minutes or less. And since those things didn't happen, we tell ourselves that she's not perfect. And that imperfect behavior is unacceptable. Finally, we tell ourselves that this whole situation is someone else's fault. We tell ourselves that our anger was coming from the woman in front of us who was taking too long. That's what we're listening to on the inside. And most of that is wrong. Because here's the takeaway. How many times would, would our life be radically redirected if we had really gotten God's word inside of us and then acted on God's word if we'd chosen to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to be angry? See, that's how James ends this section with a picture of what having the inside and the outside coming together as one, what it would look like. He says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. And his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There you have two dynamics, two ways to authentic spirituality what you do on the outside, and who you are on the inside. The outer world of actions, the tongue having compassion for people will be fleshed out. And on the inside, you'll keep yourself from being polluted by the world around us. Because after all, it is garbage in, garbage out. Heavenly Father, thank you for this test that James has given us. Thank you that so many of us at first glance have failed it because when we, when we fail an exam, it, it helps us to learn how to change. But when we see how bad we did, we realize what needs to change. That we need to get rid of the moral filth and the evil around us and instead fill our lives with your word. And that when we do that, we will treat people better, we will see people better, we will become more like you because you are worthy of all of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.